Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hicks, and we have another wonderful show with Rob Oker today. If you if you're a regular listener, you know that Rob has been on the show a couple of times, and the last show we did was about empowering um, your child, and it was such a powerful show that, and there were so many components to it that I really wanted Rob to come back so we could take apart all of these abilities one at a time, and. You, you don't need to have listened to the first show to really understand where we're at right now, so we're, we're glad that you tuned in. But um, first, let me introduce Rob to you. Maybe we can talk a little bit, Rob, about these seven abilities, and then let's go into responsibility. Rob is a uh, middle school guidance counselor, and he is one of the most innovative teachers. He has created this wonderful format for teaching called um, the, the Seven Abilities of Empowerment. So, Rob, thank you for being on the show again today. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Betsy. Today I really want to focus on, if the listeners are listening, about the seven abilities of empowerment. It was a framework for me to really put out into the world um, a curriculum of ideas and concepts to really look at a way to build wisdom rather than knowledge. And the wisdom tied into a lot of core values, the wisdom tied into a lot of character, little, a lot of positive choices. And so the seven abilities of empowerment are abilities that we hold each and every one of us, but it's really using those abilities and bringing them out, claiming your own personal and professional power. And let's review the seven abilities, and then we're going to break them down, as Betsy said, one by one today, um, starting with responsibility. Again, it is a new language for um, a new time for a new you, using the, the language of ability. Like the ability is the power to do something, to get something um, done with power, with authentic personal and professional power. Responsibility is the first ability. Responsibility, your ability to acknowledge one's behavior and actions with reliability, consistency, accountability, and trustworthiness. And we have adaptability, connectability, respectability, possibility, sensibility, and integrability. That's the overview of the framework of the seven abilities of empowerment. And uh, I think that's what would really work yeah, well. Yeah, I really want to hit that responsibility one because when we, we did the show before, we had hit all seven in one mm-hmm. show. And we, we couldn't possibly take this apart in the ways that I'd like to be able to. And responsibility is huge. Um, I guess my first question to you on responsibility is, you know, we're, we're so big onto our children about the importance of being responsible. But what about for the parent? How responsible is the parent expected to be in in maintaining these empowered techniques? 
Well, as when we're talking about children, we're talking about teens and parenting. There's not one really right way for anyone. So, so you know, I want to say that is parenting is, I think, is the greatest one of the greatest jobs in the world. And you have to any parent and, and being a parent myself knows that there are great days and there are bad days. <laughs> so, you know, when we listen to this, let's all think of um, you know of making those those bad days better days. So let's talk about accepting responsibility. I think accepting responsibility for life is your first and foremost essential act of empowerment. So as a parent to do that, I think that, you know, once that child is born, that responsibility is there. It hits you no matter what. But how you make your choices and how you um, choose to deal with that really ties into your ability to become empowered and your ability to power your children. Um, along with the responsibilities of parenthood, I always talk about a parent's bill of rights when I talk to my parents and talk about a framework to have, you know, you have some rights as a parent too. And so let's, let, let's talk about the five points here I talk about of having a parent bill of rights. All right. Um, the first one is the right to a private life apart from the children. <laughs> this is, you know, it's a no-brainer. We're going to talk about a lot of these in your going to oh, yeah, that's common sense. But it's nice to hear it. It's nice to be validated. It's nice to just be reaffirmed to say, yeah, I can have a life apart from my children, and I can have it private. And That's huge, Rob. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you enough how big that is. And it's so nice to hear that because um, I, I'm not – happy that I'm in a divorced parent situation with joint custody, but in some ways, it really is an awesome thing. I mean, I'm, I'm very in love with my husband now, and we love to spend time together, and having that every other weekend off is a really powerfully wonderful thing. But even before that, when I was with the kids, you know, there was so much guilt involved because the kids would say to me every time I walked out the door, you're leaving again? And it may just be like once a month, but they're going to milk it for all they can because mm-hmm. they they know when that guilt comes forward mm-hmm. that there's something that they're going to get out of it. It's, it's almost like they enjoy instilling that guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really worked hard, especially with my teenager. It's not so strong with my um, my 10-year-old, but with my teenager, I, I show my appreciation to her when she respects the fact that I need my private time. Mm-hmm. This, I... I think that by appreciating that and letting her know that I'm appreciating her respecting me, it helps her to not put herself in the victim archetype, per se. You know, to, to just because they, they love to go into that victim sure. role. And is your home a child dominated home or is your home a family dominated home? And the families that are child dominated, you know, there's not that private life for a parents. And it is okay, I'll say that again, it is okay and healthy for parents to say, I need some private time. I need some alone time. I need to some adult time. And finding that balance is huge. And, um, parents and parents and children can really, they, they really respect the fact and later, not at the time, but later they'll respect the fact that it's okay for you to take care of yourself. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to take care of your children. And kids need to know how to read those kind of cues of, we need to leave mom or dad alone right mm-hmm. now. That's mm-hmm. part of, I would think, in, in that piece. Because um, sometimes, you know, I'll be home with the kids and things just have not gone well. And I, I will say to them, I don't want to be mad at you. I don't want to yell at you. But if you keep 
pestering me now, it's going to happen. Because you can feel it brewing inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I would rather tell my child at that point, go away from me. It's nothing you've done, nothing that you've done wrong. But if you don't give me that space right now, I'm Mm -hmm. going to probably yell for something that's not even your fault. And that's a teaching modality, Betsy, because you're teaching them what it's like to say, I need some time to be healthy myself. I need some time to stop and think about this. And later in their life, when they're parenting, hopefully they'll take that same message and deliver that to their children. So the right to a private life apart from your children is huge for responsibility for for parents and families. Okay, good. Let's talk about the next one. The right to cooperation. Parents have the right to, co- to cooperation from their children in performance of household chores. Parents have the right to require compliance, and failure to do so will cause the children to lose respect for them. So a cooperative family, a family that works together, stays together. This is a hard one, Rob, for me. I, I never feel like I know the right amount to ask my kids to help around the house. I either feel like I'm really getting taken advantage of and I'm just like the Cinderella of the household, or I feel like I'm just always bullying them, mm-hmm. and um, you know. And I know that that you said before the parenting is individual for every family. Mm-hmm. How, how do you find that balance? Well, I think that's where the boundaries come. Boundaries come in with families in terms of cooperation. Who has chores and who has responsibilities? And when we get into responsibility, chores are so critical for kids and also for that sense of authority or sense of responsibility in a in a family. The value of chores are huge. And we can go you know, go into a um real deep on using chores in an effective way and the value of chores. But I think a great way to start that out is establish some boundaries of using chores to do that and also a cooperation of, okay, this is your job, this is my job. When your job is finished, I'll help you with my job and also finding a balance using household chores. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I But I have put Joey in charge of things. Even though Joey's, you know, in his autism world and things such as that, he knows, and actually he's better than the girls mm-hmm. because of the fact that he's very rigid in following the direction that he's been taught sure. to follow. It's that structure, and when he knows he can be in charge of something, then he has that framework and those boundaries and that structure for him. Right. And that works with his mind and his brain. And and But that also works with a family system. What we're talking about here is a family dynamic and a family system. So the right to for cooperation and working together with chores and working together to gain that respect for a family ties into responsibility. Let's talk about another parent parent's right here is the right to be imperfect. Oh, <laughs> Children have no right to expect that their parents will always be calm, cons- correct, or consistent, or the perfect mom or the perfect dad. If they make a mistake or admit it, there's no reason why they should feel guilty or defensive about it. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody recently about... Uh, you know, she she works. She's a psychologist, and she works with so many people. And she says everybody, everybody has stuff from their childhood. I mean, there's you know, it's it's a. I told her, I said, I think my I feel like my role is as a parent is just to kind of minimalize the stuff. In other words, you're never going to eliminate the stuff. There's going to be something that you're going to do that's going to cause them for a need for therapy at least once in their life. Or, you know, that's going to kind of create these voices at one time in their life. But you, you just want to try to minimize that as, as best that you possibly can. Because you, you can't be, you can't be perfect. You can't be on all the time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you sit and I sit and do these shows, and and I, you know, I I'm not a perfect parent, and and any parent that has uh, is in that position, don't beat yourselves up because it, 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 you have the right to be imperfect and and also just to be a human being and yeah. kids kids know that you know if a situation happens that you know you don't have the right answer or you don't do the right thing at the right moment at the right time hey that's sometimes part of life but how you deal with that and how you communicate that with them is really important and you know that's that's all about the right to be imperfect but it also shows responsibility Excellent. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break right now, Rob. When we get back, let's talk more about the Parents' Bill of Rights. We'll be right back with Rob Oker. Don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Redisorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying normally. Redisorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical-free, and there's no sodium benzoate in Redisorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the fine program. Ask your doctor about Redisorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B.com. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Wake up and get 
JackLalane.com presents Jack Lane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We are back with Rob Elker and talking about the seven abilities of empowerment and the, the ability we're talking about today is responsibility. We've been going over the Parents' Bill of Rights and I certainly am feeling better about myself by the moment, not feeling like I'm screwing up my kids too badly. All right, what's the next one that we have here, Rob? Well, let's review here for if you're just joining us with a listener. We talked about um, with responsibilities, your ability as a parent to be a parent, to be responsible for your children also comes with a parent bill of rights, validating that you know you do have some responsibilities as a parent too. The right to a private life apart from your children, we talked about it first. The right, right to cooperation, the right to be imperfect. And now we're on the next one is respect for property. Children must learn to distinguish between community property and personal property. And um, a child should be told clearly, for example, which is the parent's tools be used without asking and which ones require permission. You know, a lot of parents don't give themselves permission to say, that's okay, that's mine. You know, and that's an adult thing, and that that that's my iPod. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, that's my or laptop. even my room. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that my husband is just like, you know, doors always closed. This is my room. This is the one area that I feel like I need to have my space, and the kids can't be running in it all the time, doing things in in your room. So I think even for a child. If they have their own room, that whole space issue is a really big one as mm-hmm. well, too. Yep. And the the message there is saying, I am respectful to the property, but also I know where the boundaries are, what what is what is my my stuff, and then what's somebody else's stuff. Cool. And that's huge because you go in, I mean, let's take it as an example for a school situation. You know, you're, I work with the kids in the schools, and if somebody else goes in somebody else's locker and takes something, right. you know, and this happens sometimes, well, he gave me my combination, and, you know, he's my friend, and I just took it. And, you know, I mean, go... I would say, well, if I just walked into your room to a 13-year-old and um, opened your drawers and took your stuff or went into your laptop and started going through your computer, right. you know, how would that right. feel? There's a respect of property right. there. So, yeah. so that ties into a lot. But bringing it back to a parent is there is a difference between, you know, distinguishing between what is, you know, my property as, a, as an adult and what is your property and respecting that as a child. Great. That's a really good one. And the last in the, uh, in the Parents' Bill of Rights is the right to appreciation and courtesy. Children can and will respect a parent who has reasonable demands and has enough backbone to enforce them. 
you know, here we go is that, you know, really enforcing that, and then that's when people, kids really take on that responsibility and say, yes, my parent is the responsible authority figure in the home, and I respect that they're holding me to the fire, that they're holding me to my limits, and at the same time, I'm... I'm not going to be able to walk all over my parents, and my parents aren't going to walk over to them. And I use the the whole frustration cycle um, a lot with this example. And the frustration cycle basically is is if you know you your child gets upset and mad, and they behave in such a way where they're angry, and then all of a sudden you get angry, and you start yelling and screaming at them, and they start yelling and screaming at you, then they feel like, okay, I got my mom or dad or that adult right where I want them. They're frustrated. And the whole cycle just continues on. And then usually the responsibility of what the behavior was of the kid gets pushed to the side because they're not even worried about what 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 was the whole deal anyways and the frustration cycle just continues and kids know this they get into this game this brain drain game where i call it where all of a sudden it's like okay let's try to get mom and dad so frustrated so mad that they don't have to um deal with what i'm responsible for wow that's big Mm mm-hmm so you know that the, the courtesy piece is big though too. Mm-hmm. I, I, re, I can still remember as a as a teenager doing dishes, and when I finished, I looked to my mother and I said, "Aren't you going to say thank you?" And my dad piped in, "Are you going to say thank you for me going to work today?" And I just remember how that stung. Wow. And I and 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 now every time. I've used it on my own children quite a few times. But, I mean, it's like, yes, we need to say thank you, but we also have to remember that... You know, you're not you're not going to be sent to martyrdom because you did the dishes. I mean, that's part of your responsibility, and we should be courteous and say thank you, but we need to say thank you for an appreciation, a a reciprocal for appreciation, I Mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and any when you do that again, you're showing that respect, you're showing that love, and you're showing that regardless of what happens, you screw up, you make a mistake in the family. I love you regardless of what. You know, my love is unconditional, it's not going away. You know, that courtesy is an underlining value that's saying I'll be there no matter what happens, but yet this is the way things are going to be in the family. Cool. Okay, so so these are the, the bill rights for the parents. The parent, and so. it comes along with the responsibilities of parenthood. It just gives a few rights and privileges for parents to know, hey, you know, it's okay. It's you know we we do have some rights as a parent and we need to look at that and I, I think it's a positive way to en- to enter this whole discussion on responsibility because you know there really isn't a right or wrong way we need to we need to really validate each other's way of doing things and say we do have some rights as a parent and and and, and let's let's enhance that let let's let's really try to bring out the best in that and I think if you can bring out the best in that and that ties in with the whole seven abilities of empowerment is you bring out the best of who you are in each one of these abilities it's like strengths and weaknesses if you fill your cup with what you're really good at then all of a sudden it overflows to the things you're not so good at. And um, that's something that, you know, is when you're hearing these abilities and you say, well, I really got to work on that responsibility. And we say, but I'm really good at connectability or connect with somebody else, is, you know, work on the things you're really, really good at and fill your cup on the things you're good in. The cup will overflow and trickle out into those other abilities. 
And um, I think that's a really good way to look at it instead of saying, I just got to focus only yeah. on this one. Because sometimes when we focus on only that one, it goes totally the opposite. And then we just be, bring more of what, what we don't want into our lives. Rob, I don't know if I'm going off track here, but I'm, I'm interested, since we've talked about parents, about responsibility to siblings. This is something that is very intense in my household because my daughters um, are very different. They're very different people. And, uh, you know, my, parent, my, my girls are very respectful of me and vice versa. And we do really well there. And they're, respect, they're very respectful of their brother. They're, they're absolutely wonderful to their brother because he works with the autism. And he, they just love to engage with him so that it's not the problem. But to the girls together, it's this, um, and, and we'll probably hit this more in respectability, mm-hmm. but what what is our responsibility to our siblings? What would you say that would be a big piece? For for the siblings or for the parent well, to the siblings? No, I would say for the, for the siblings themselves, the siblings to each other. Mm-hmm. I think responsibility of a sibling is to basically fight with love <laughs> and let, let me give an example of this because I have I three that. I have three siblings and um, I'm going to give a personal example of this is and I just golfed with my brother today and we took a brother day but we used to fight a lot okay, and okay. we fought right when we fought a lot when we were siblings and I'll break that down into a more more um, understandable thing because when I use the word fight I mean to disagree to not get along and that's healthy sometimes with siblings because if the siblings have the ability to not get along when they're siblings, that's their safe net. That's, okay, I can do this with my sister because I know I can push a button, push a button, push a button, and regardless of what happens, she'll always be my sister. Wow, yeah. And that's really what's going on is I can, you know, I can fight and argue with my brother and we can have, disagree total all the time and we can, you know, whether it's over a video game or whether it's over, you know, whether we're playing cards or what's going on. But now here as adults, you know, those childhood experiences that we had with kids, now as adults, you know, he called me up the other day and says, Rob, it's going to be a beautiful fall day. Let's get together and go and golf. We're tight. We're close. Because those experiences, those relationship experiences where you had some responsibility to that person and say, I'm going to love you regardless, but I'm going to tell you like it is. And I'm going to maybe even fight with you, argue with you, push you, bug you, bug you, bug you, bug you. But regardless, you're probably going to be at every one of my um, graduations. Everyone, if you got, yeah. you're going to be at my wedding. You're going to be at all of the family events. You're going to be at all the family reunions, and you'll probably be there with my kids. And yes, he was. And through all the good and the bad, that's remained constant. So it's a safety net. So the responsibility I would say there is that you know it's okay if it's healthy in that they find a way to continue to say what is the core responsibility to each other, and that's to love each other and to be there regardless of what happens. That's excellent. And and, and you know our our siblings teach us how to deal with so many relationships as we get older. Um, you know, when you have that sibling relationship, you really learn about conflict early on. Mm-hmm. And so those, those can be powerful. So that's excellent. 
Okay, so where would you want to hit next? We've got a, about a minute or so before we need to go to commercial break. But well, I want to, you know, just talk about the responsibility of using that power statement as I do with every ability is that I am responsible for my actions and choices in life. It is saying that daily. And, you know, if you hear the show and something comes up in your, your day that you have to make a choice, say that to yourself. I'm responsible for my actions and choices today. What choices am I going to make that I'm putting responsibility out into the world yes. and being responsible for who I am and my choices. Cool. That's excellent. Okay. So, so I challenge you out there to do that. If you have an, an experience that happens to you today and all of a sudden says, well, I don't know if I should say to yourself, I'm responsible. I have to be responsible for myself, my decisions. And if that means taking the responsibility is something you don't like, but you still have to do it. Be responsible because you're putting out into the world an attention that you are responsible for yourself and you can make some positive choices. If you don't take the responsibility and say, no, somebody else can deal with it, or uh, no, I'm not at fault, it's not, I didn't do anything, it's not my fault, then you're taking a victim mode. And you're taking the victim mode of saying that I'm not responsible for my life. I'm not going to be empowered. I'm going to let somebody walk all over me. I'm going to let somebody else make um, a choice that is going to affect my life. And so I'm saying be empowered, take responsibility, say I'm responsible for my life. Excellent. All right. We're going to be right back with Rob Oger. We'll talk more about responsibility. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. ReadySorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying. Normally, ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical-free, and there's no sodium benzoate in ReadySorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the Fine Gold program. Ask your doctor about ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B dot com. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on 
the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with hosts Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We are back here with Rob Oker, and we are talking about the seven abilities of empowerment, and specifically the one we're speaking of today is responsibility. We've talked about parent responsibility. We've talked about sibling responsibility. And now let's talk a little bit more about the actual responsibility we have for ourselves and our children have for themselves. But the first thing I'd like to hit with Rob is this is Autism One Radio, so I want to mention that a lot of those that... um, need to hear this message we've talked a little bit already about the victim um, piece because you know especially those who have have gotten better and they 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 were in this role for so many years that they don't have to be responsible because they have this physical thing going on with them or they have this mental thing going on with them so that they really don't have to show their responsibility but in essence, no matter where you are on the spectrum of autism, where you are in any physical disability, you have to hold on to the responsibility. Can you talk about that? Yeah, exactly. And and I have a great story and example of this. And I love to share this story because as an educator myself, is I you know I have a responsibility that I am responsible there I'm saying it is I am responsible to help those kids that are different, and this story is actually um, taken by a 14 year old's perspective, and this piece was, ran in 2006 as part of the National Public Radio series. This I believe, and um, Joshua Uhash I may have you know slaughtered his last name, but okay. he's a 14 year old boy that you know here's his story, and I want you to hear it and think of the response that we have to we're all different in our own ways what if everybody in the world was like this is coming from Josh 14 year old freshman from Milford Michigan what if everybody talked the same acted the same listened to the same music and watched the same TV programs the world would be extremely dull 
I believe it's important to accept people for who you are. Differences are important. They should be respected. For example, many more people throughout history were different, and, and such as Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, Harriet Hubman, Abraham Lincoln. They did great things, but some people thought they were weird because they had strong feelings about something. I can relate to these people because I've been in that situation before many times. It all started in elementary school when I realized that I wasn't like everyone else. My mom says that I have a tendency of obsessing on certain subjects. Unfortunately, these subjects don't interest other kids my age, and they don't interest my teachers. In fact, my kindergarten teacher said she would scream if I'd mentioned snakes and lizards one more time when she was teaching one of those days of the week. I would get in trouble for not paying attention. I'd be that kid that would be teased all the time. And in third grade, my teacher informed me that I had Asperger's syndrome. I said, so what? Do you you know that Godzilla's suit weighs 188 pounds? Later I asked my mom, what's Asperger's syndrome? Am I going to die? She said it's like having blinders on and that I can only see one thing at a time and that it's hard to focus on other things. Like I would tell anyone and everyone that I would listen about that Godzilla was my biggest obsession and still is, and Godzilla not a really popular subject with the middle school crowd, so the teasing still started in middle school and they still started bugging and teasing me. I might be different because I have different interests than other teenagers, but it doesn't give the right to be so mean and cruel to me. Kids at my school make fun of me for not liking what I like most. Most people make fun of me for knowing facts about volcanoes, whales, tornadoes, and many other scientific things. My mom says that that she had been able to answer so many questions on Jeopardy just by listening to what I had to say, but I haven't even been ridiculed for being so smart. Maybe someday I'll be a gene engineer and create the real Godzilla. I can't I can dream, can I? Sometimes I wish I were like everybody else, but not really. Because I believe people should be respected for being different because we're all different in our own ways. Yeah, that's very powerful. Very, very powerful. Now, having teenage having a teenage daughter right now, <coughs> um I have to say that there. Are, she talks a lot about a lot of the kids in her class as being very, very different, and she she really feels for the kids that have autism, and uh, she knows the ones she can pick them out very easily. The other kids just think that they're quirky. Um, she's much better at, at knowing what the quirks are. the The problem is. What is our responsibility? What are our kids' responsibility within the school system to befriend the children that are different and they really don't have a lot in common? I mean, Mia feels very bad for these kids that sit alone and she will go up and talk to them for a long time, but is she responsible for being with them all the time and uh-huh. listening to the th- things that she doesn't want to hear over and over again? How far do our kids need to take that responsibility in being patient with these kids in the class? I think it, I think it really ties down to you know being a human being and treating them with a golden rule. It's pretty pretty simply put, but I always say to kids, you know, treat them as you want to be treated. And if you're in a situation where that kid is sitting all alone, ask yourself: If you were sitting there, would you want to be treated that way? Right. And then if your gut and in your heart you say, no, 
walk over to them and it's your responsibility to have a conversation with them and walk over to them and your responsibility to be a human being and make that connection. Now, that's that's a hard thing to do though, mm-hmm. Rob, when when peers are looking on and uh, you could lose your, your people that you're sitting with because yeah. because of that. Yep. And clicks. But then the other thing is you know, she'll invite the, maybe a child with Asperger's over that she you know, is very obsessed on something. And so at what point should she say, okay, you've spoken enough about Godzilla or you've spoken enough about this. We need to have our conversation now. Because it's, it's, it's a real hard thing for a teenager to do is to teach social cues right, to right. some of these kids. And that requires, you know, social-emotional intelligence, and that requires some leadership to do that sometimes. And, you know, the question is when and how to do that is the kids that are able to do that, the kids the kids that need those cues really respect that because they're not aware of it at the time. They might be going off of, with their obsession about something, and then to have a person to have that social understanding and awareness and say, hey, you know, let, let, let's just put that on the back burner now and really focus on what we need to do for this assignment. You know, um, that that does take some leadership and some social understanding. How do you get to a person of that? You teach them. You train them. You know, you say, when you know that this person is, is not being focused and taking some time there, you might have to say in a way, hey, please stop. Let's focus on what we need to. We can come back and talk of that later. And that's what I do, you know, and as a guidance counselor, is teach kids how to do social cues. Teach kids how to contact the social understanding and you have to practice practice that and who's who's having to do the practice the 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 kids that are in the average mainstream or the kids that are have the special needs are you are you speaking i'm talking about kids in the average average mainstream social social cues and social understanding should come from everybody adults need practice adult this is a skill where where you know I work with adults and all the time and teachers and and principals and, yeah. and you know um, even even counselors and and I mean adults because when you're talking to people just to have that social understanding and social cue that's talking about your social emotional intelligence and it is a skill and it it does take practice but but it is a responsibility I think for the kids in the classrooms that are noticing this. This, this person that's challenging on a certain subject area to have the responsibility to pick up on that. And that is, that, that is taught and also caught. And what I mean by that is, for example, if, let's take Mia, if she's in the classroom and she sees this person obsessing on this, and then all of a sudden she picks up onto it, you know, the kids are going to make fun of them pretty soon, that she, she has that understanding and she has that ability to say, okay, these kids are going to make fun. She, she could step up and say, hey, you can say to them, please stop. Oh, that's a good point. Give, give the words to the other child. Exactly. That is an And that's point. peers teaching peers, and kids listen to kids no matter what. Right. Wow, Rob, that, that helps a lot because I've, I've been dealing with this a lot because she has such empathy mm-hmm. for the kids, mm-hmm. and I, I, I wasn't able to give her the words. And some of the kids um, can be almost abusive in what they say. Yeah. Out. I mean, it's, it's one thing to obsess, but sometimes they can be abusive as well. We have to take another break. Um, when we get back, let's hit more about um, our children's own responsibility to themselves yep. and to the others. And it all starts. Yep, it all starts with yourself. Okay. We'll be, we'll be right back with Bravo. Don't go away. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. ReadyZorb Glutathione is proud to support the Betsy Hicks radio program. Glutathione is essential for human health. It protects cells from oxidative stress and supports the body's removal of toxins. It enhances immune function. Glutathione is one of the body's ways of detoxifying itself. It protects our DNA. Glutathione is one of the most effective free radical scavengers. Autistic children are predisposed to low glutathione, which prevents them from detoxifying. Normally, ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione is an oral dietary supplement that was formulated by a physician for his own patients. Each teaspoon contains over 400 milligrams of glutathione. The ingredients are pure and chemical-free, and there's no sodium benzoate in ReadySorb Glutathione. It's approved for use on the Fine Gold program. Ask your doctor about ReadySorb Liposomal Glutathione and read more about us at www.redisorb.com. That's R-E-A-D-I-S-O-R-B dot com. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Come. The true meaning of your dreams doesn't have to be a mystery. Join host Bob Haas, author and pioneer in dream science, to understand what your dreams mean and how they impact your daily life. Bob and his panel of experts from the International Association for the Study of Dreams will provide facts about dreams and discuss techniques of translating your own dreams and how you can use them for your mental and physical well-being. Dreamtime will further explore the research and science of dreaming and deliver a powerful comprehension of the function of dreaming. Listen live to Dreamtime with Bob Haas every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network and discover the science behind your dreams. Again, that's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Choosing to live healthy requires facts, not fads or fantasy. Health is a lifestyle, and that lifestyle requires choice. But real life imposes demands that can challenge a structured schedule. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Pacific for healthy lifestyle solutions and learn how to handle life's little curveballs. Shannon and Rob bring you Get Fit Radio. Tune in to Tone Up. Tone Up. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
Bethany Staffieri and Amy Greeson give voice to the visionaries and healers who are on a mission to bridge worlds and help to restore balance in the global village on planet Earth. Through conscious awareness, we shift the balance toward a global healing for the future generations. Global Healing broadcasts live every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. about the seven abilities of empowerment and the ability today that we've been speaking of is responsibility and we've talked about parent responsibility sibling responsibility peer responsibility let's talk about responsibility to ourselves a little bit and let's talk about this not only on the average teenager that so many you work with so many but also the special needs teenager talk about that Responsibility to the self, um, as I said, accepting responsibility for your life is the first and most essential part of empowerment. And and being responsible for yourself and your choices is is is, is the core, is where it starts. It's all coming back to that choice. So when when you know, you got to wake up every morning, <clears throat> look at yourself in the mirror, and uh, take on responsibility for your day, take on responsibility for your choices for your life. Every student, every person that comes into my office and comes to talk to me and comes for my guidance is I hold that mirror up and I say, are you taking responsibility for this? And I say to them, you know, I'm here to help you, but I'm here just as a mere reflection to look and say, you are responsible. You can handle this. I know you can handle it. I'll empower you and help you to do that and guide you on the way, but it is your responsibility to solve the problem, and I know I can handle it. Excellent. That's hard. That's hard. Very hard. But I think people come to people like us or people listening to this show because they know they're responsible, but they just need somebody to help show them the way. And it's almost like a kick in the butt. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I got to deal with this issue in my life. I got to de- and take some responsibility on this. But I need somebody there that is going to be empathetic that is going to be understanding and yet hold me to the fire and have some boundaries there knowing that I can um, handle the situation without ridicule, without threats, without verbal abuse, you know, and and, um, that is the hard part because a lot of times kids and people that don't take up responsibility get into that victim mode I talked about and then it becomes a disempowering thing and then that becomes, okay, somebody else is going to solve it. It's not my fault. You know, I didn't do it. Oh boy, is that ever big? That's huge. And I mean, and you're talking. You you hear it in school, but of course I hear oh, it at home. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was my girl. It's, it's like somebody is responsible for this. Right. And that comes back to this self, and I say, I am responsible. And I and I have keep I have kids say that, and once you say it, it puts that energy into action. And there's power in that language, and there's power in that ability. And it's a hard thing to do, but then they start seeing themselves as the ability to be self-responsible for their choices and their decisions and how they affect other people. Yeah, okay. So what about 
talk about autism for a bit mm-hmm. and the responsibility these kids have. Oh well, there's there's huge responsibility. I mean, the 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 issues and the concerns that we're finding are just growing and they're not going away. So I think as as a society and as a humanity, we have a responsibility to step up to the plate and do anything we can to help these kids and help that um, different learner like Josh. The story that I wrote read earlier we have a responsibility as educators as parents as as professionals and as just human beings to find a way to help these kids bring out the best of who they are instead of judge them instead of instead of saying i don't want to deal with them you know i don't want to you know and you know that's easy to say you know, but when that person is sitting in front of you and, and that really needs help, that's where the responsibility hits core. That's where you say, okay, who, who's gonna who's gonna step up and take responsibility for this? Who's gonna take step up and take responsibility for what's happening on our planet right now? And it comes down to every individual person saying, I am responsible for myself and I am responsible for my choices. And as it does that, then it goes out into the world saying, we're going to take a bigger responsibility for our educational systems. We're taking a bigger responsibility for our children that are lost souls. We're going to take responsibility for the children that are not getting the help. And we each have to step up to the plate for that. Every individual one, every person listening to this, everybody on this planet is so needed to say, step up and take some responsibility for those things that are not working. Now, I'd like to actually flip this responsibility piece a bit. And I think that some of our kids are taking on too much responsibility in a kind of this fear-based society of... um, we're, we're, we're really taught to be afraid. We're, we're just, we're really, our kids are being taught to be afraid. This generation, the generation is being taught to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with, with the global warming and the, the fear that they have towards that, and there's a piece of responsibility that you want to teach them to be responsible, but you also don't want to make them not sleep at night because, I don't want them. I don't want the kids to feel like the whole weight of the world is on their shoulders. Right. What's the difference in that? <clears throat> well, I would say where your fear ends, your power begins, and we're talking about being empowered. If you're, you know, if you're in that frequency of fear, and you know, we talk about this on many shows, and like you said, that whole attitude of fear, motivation, and and these kids aren't resonating to that. They're coming in with a vibration and, uh, and they're coming in with an essence that isn't in the fear frequency. And so this whole idea of control and fear is totally creating this, this concept that this isn't working for me, this isn't working for my... So that's where, that's where your power of being responsible begins and it overcomes the fear. And that is where empowerment in essence comes from is accepting that responsibility and overcoming that fear frequency of fear yeah. all right that's a big that's that, that that's a big concept very big concept <laughs> and that's huge that's the essence of you know being empowered and that's the essence of, of but how do you do that well you, you you overcome those fear messages you overcome that fear control and you have to surround yourself and around other people and also other events and that's what children do it for me you know, a lot of the kids feel responsible for their parents' divorce. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big one that I hear a lot. 
And, you know, we can go into that too. You know, I run divorce groups and it's like kids are feeling like, okay, I'm in the middle of this and I'm responsible for that, but yet they still have to be kids. You know, they're, 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 they're children trying to figure out how to be a kid and how to find balance of doing this. But the, the child that lives in fear is going to be the child that is not going to take responsibility yes. for their life. Yes, right. They're going to be under a cover the whole time. Exactly. The child that lives in love, the frequency of love, and the frequency of, of responsibility, and the frequency of all of these abilities of being empowered, is the child that is going to be empowered in their life and make a difference on helping this planet. That's excellent. That's very powerful, Rob. Um, so, are there any tips that we can give our kids towards holding some responsibility? Anything that you would just... Well, I think, I think the, the, the key the, for our kids to holding responsibility is anytime they find themselves in, um, around a fear, fear motivation or fear frequency, and, and the thing that I think about it is you turn on the TV... And it's the it's the fear mind control machine. Everything in there is, you know, oh, we got to worry about this. We got to no, worry about that. We got something happening here. We have something there. there. And and what I'm so that's number one tip is you know unplug from the TV drug or as I always say, but but it, but the discernment there, and then surround yourself around people that are going to nurture that 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 power of the frequency of love and, and and let me give you an example of that you know kids come to me in my office and they're not going to say well i need to you know get, overcome my fear and they're coming to me because they want to be around my energy to um to balance that and you got to surround yourself around positive people that will bring that to you and, it's excellent excellent advice rob we got to go i'm sorry but we're going to come back we're going to hit, what's the next one we're going to do? Adapt, adaptability next? We're going to get into, um, let's go into adaptability, okay. change. We're talking about change here and what's happening with these kids. Wait for us next month. Thanks for joining us, everyone, today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org.